Middle East on the brink, North Korea on the brink, Iran increasing its aggression, elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. Hey, listen, you mook. None of us has to be born. None of us has to be born. This is what's going to happen to you, you mook bum, you. Welcome to the Savage Nation. Now, um, I'm having some fun today on the show because it's a miserable, horrible day. It's been a black year for me. I knew I never should have bought that book, that yearly planner I get every year. They only had black left. The black, only the black cover was left. Normally, I get a blue one or a red one. I have a daily diary going back 30 years. And they sent me a black one. I knew it would be a black year. What a black year so far. So here we are. And many of you don't know why I'm referring to the year that was and the year that will be. It's because tonight, if you are a follower of Judeo or Christian, a Jewish Christian religion, tonight is the beginning of the Jewish, the end of the Jewish year 5780, the beginning of the Jewish year 5781. It's a big deal. I don't believe in any of it. I only, I only believe in Twitter. All right, well, I can't help you then. I'm not addressing you. I'm addressing traditionalists in the audience. And I'm reading that the town called Corleone in Sicily, known as the Godfather town. Remember, I come from Corleone. Remember they made up, came from Corleone, the olive oil business? Well, there's actually a town called Corleone in Sicily, made famous uh, in the Godfather. And they've ordered a lockdown in Corleone after a um, huge spike in COVID following a wedding of 250 guests. Now, the reason I'm showing this to you is because there is a madness in the country. There's a madness in this nation right now where people on one side think that everything wrong with the world and the country is caused by Donald Trump, the new boogeyman. And then there's the other side that thinks Trump can do no wrong that everything good in the world is due to Donald Trump, that he's 
as good as a combination of, I don't know, God, Jesus, Santa Claus, all in one. This is called mass hysteria. So Sicily, Corleone locks down their town after a spate of coronavirus infections were tied to a big wedding there last week. They didn't do it because it had anything to do with Trump. They're not trying to hurt Trump in the, ele- in the election, as many of you MAGAites think. I mean, come on. There's an actual virus out there that's really dangerous. It's not all made up by the left-wing media. Yes, most towns and cities have overreacted. Yes, 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 we know that. But please don't make it all about Donald Trump. Please give me a, a break for one minute. Give me one day off from this madness. Because one day this shall end. Now, I opened the show with a crazy statement. None of us asked to be born. That is the darkest thing anyone ever said to me. About 10 minutes before the show started, I called someone and I started to tell her about some bad things going on in my life. <laughs> she's a very, very smart person, the smartest person I ever met. But <laughs> she's very dark. <laughs> very, she's like, she's like Margaret Thatcher. So she says to me, well, none of us asked to be born. I broke into laughter. I said, did you come up with that all on your own? None, and she started to laugh. And this woman does not laugh a lot. We had a great laugh over that. None of us asked to be born, but here it is. This is the best we have, and then let's make the best of it. I said, has anyone ever said that? I never heard it. So because daddy did mommy, we're screwed the rest of our lives? I know it's crazy. The whole thing makes no sense. But here we are. Did you ask to be born? Now, is there any religion that says we are here because we asked to be born? Buddhism says this reincarnation. That doesn't imply that we ask to be born, right? Uh, Christianity says we shall be reborn when Christ returns, right? That hasn't happened yet, right, Jim? Are we still waiting for the second coming? Judaism is as complex as Jews are. It depends upon which Jew you catch and on what day and what the medication he's on or not on. One sect of Jews says there is reincarnation. Another one says, don't be crazy, that's Meshuggah, there is no reincarnation. So there is no fixed idea in Judaism about reincarnation or no reincarnation. And here we are in the savage nation facing an election. That's all you want to hear about. Trump up, Trump down. Biden up, Biden down. I, oh, I can't take it anymore. I'm gagging on it. Biden. I was thinking Biden. What can I rhyme Biden with? Biden this time? He's Biden this time? That's not good enough. So I wrote some other couplets for you today for your entertainment I'm thinking about how the world has changed because the other day when I was on the air, I did a podcast on what America was like in the 1950s, Comeback America. And many of you understood what I was talking about. And right away, the left-wing people with very low IQ say, oh, you're a racist. You want the Jim Crow back. I said, that's not what I said. You don't define America in the 50s by the Jim Crow laws or by segregation. That's not a defining element of it. It's a part of the whole. Just as you, you leftist bum, mook, rat, cannot be defined by the worst in you, there's more to you than just the worst part of you, so too America in the 50s was an incredible, great nation. Can you name the the discoveries that were made in the 50s? The advancements for humanity? Probably not because you're brainwashed to think, oh, it's only about what they did to blacks. That's stupid. It's limited. So we've gone, I said to myself, from Ozzie Harriet. We've gone from Ozzie and Harriet to Oxy and Marriott's. From life with father to strife with father. From Lever to Beaver. Oh, I can't say that one. That's the risque one. Okay, we'll leave it at that. From Ozzie and Harriet to Oxy and Marriott's. From life with father to strife with father. Welcome to the Savage Nation. 
None of us ask to be born. If you want to know the meaning of the Jewish New Year, to me, Rosh Hashanah, I'm not going to give it to you now. I'm going to give it to you in the next hour in the second segment. But um, devout Christians have a very strict interpretation. The mystical Christians living amongst us now understand we're entering the Jewish year 5,781, and in January we enter 2021. And now they're saying the numbers are very important. The number 21 is very significant. Get it? 5781, Jewish calendar. 2021, our calendar. Gregorian calendar, I guess. Are we on the on Gregory's calendar? And they say that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes of 21 sins, which show the exceeding wickedness of self and sin. And he begins the chapter with a warning and then starts his list with the words, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Sound familiar to you? Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will, now remember, this is from a Christian perspective, related to the Jewish year 5781 and the, uh, our year 2021 coming up. 21 sins, including one. Number one, selfishly loving themselves only. Think of the Kardashians and Kanye West. Am I allowed to say that or they're above criticism? Uh, two, love money. Three, brag quite a bit. Four, be proud of themselves. Five, blaspheme. Six, disregard and disobey their parents. Seven, not be thankful for what they have. Eight, reject being holy. Nine, will not have natural affection. Ten, uncompromising. Eleven, falsely accuse others, lack any self-control. Thirteen, will be fierce. Fourteen, hate anyone who does good. Fifteen, betray others. That sounds like Cohen. Cohen sounds like a betrayer. What a rat bum he is. Have you ever heard of a lawyer who, who talks about what his client has said without going to jail? That's Cohen. He's in jail. You're going to believe a word he says, yet his book is a bestseller. Can you believe it? It just shows you how sick the American mind is. They buy a, a book from a known felon, a known liar, a known lawyer who stabs his own client in the back and they take it as gospel. Sixteen will act hard-headed. Seventeen will have exalted selfish views. Eighteen love pleasure. Nineteen reject loving God. Twenty will look from the outside as being godly. Twenty-one on the inside they will deny God's power. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 4. So Paul's ultimate advice to Timothy after listing all of the above sins is, quote, turn away from all these. Turn away from all these. Second Timothy 3 to 5. Now, many of you think your granny believes in this stuff, but you don't. You're too cool to believe in it. Oh, granny had that Bible thing. Granny had that cross on the wall. I love granny, but granny was stuck in the old times. I don't believe in anything. I believe in uh, Instagram. That's my new God. My new God is, is Mark Zuckerberg. And the new Bible is, in, is Facebook and Instagram. Those are the Bibles that the kids believe in today, which is why the world is over. Now, if you want just politics, okay, I guess I got to do it. After all, this is talk radio, and that's all you tune in for. You don't tune in for philosophy, poetry, science, literature, theology. You don't tune in for any of that. You want politics, plain old politics for the average person. Are you for Trump or you're against Trump? Are you for Biden or you're against Biden? That's about it. That's the stock in trade. That's all you want to hear. Don't give me this garbage about God, faith, and reason, savage. I don't read those kinds of books. Don't tell me about your book, I Fight for America, the plan for the future and how 
unless we go down this road, we are finished. Don't tell me about the mobs already winning. Don't tell me that our civilization is teetering. Don't tell me that coronavirus was politicized. Don't tell me a wrongful death of that poor black man in Milwaukee was exploited by the radical left. Don't tell me that America's crippled. Don't tell me real science was abandoned by both sides, Savage. I don't want to hear any of it. Who says you know the truth? How do you know the truth, Michael? I believe CNN. I believe those on CNN know the truth, even though they're caught lying on a daily basis. I believe Rachel Madcow knows the truth, even though she's mad as a bedbug. Rachel Madcow's as bad as a bedbug sprayed with raid. That's a good a roll of the, is that a good roll of words? Rachel Madcow's as mad as a bedbug sprayed with raid. And speaking of bedbugs, let's listen to clip number one, Robert. Crazy Nancy's crazy as a bedbug. She's crazy as a bedbug. She decided to make a nice little stop in at the beauty parlor. How did that work out? I don't know. Not too good. It didn't work out too well. Okay, so he called her crazy as a bedbug, so right away the left-wing media went crazy. Trump calls uh, Nancy a, uh, an insect. Okay. <laughs> so what? Nothing wrong with an insect. They have a place on Earth, part of God's creatures. Part of the God, it's God's plan is to create insects. What's wrong with that, calling her an insect? And by the way, if you call someone crazy as a bedbug, unless you're from New York in the time he grew up, which when I grew up in, that was a phrase. My father used it. His father used it. We all used it in New York. We'd see someone who was a bug job. We'd say they were a bug job or as crazy as a bed bug. That, that's a common phrase. We had monikers for everyone and everything in New York. It was very Damon Runyon-esque. Someone who uh, I refer to, you don't know who he is, but Damon Runyon-esque. You know, like Fast Eddie, names like that. Fat Paulie. Jimmy the Greek, those are Runyon-esque terms. Damon Runyon, I believe, was a great newspaper columnist who made up names for people. So if you said someone was crazy as a bedbug, that's like a Damon, a Runyon, a Runyon job. Crazy as a bedbug, right? But it doesn't play today because people don't know this stuff. But Trump is right. She's as crazy as a bedbug. Absolutely as crazy as a bedbug. So now if you want... Good news, I guess. If you're, a Trump, if you're a Trump supporter, I have some good news for you. It even came out in the New York Times. <laughs> That's strange. I had to read it like, th- you know, there used to be a joke in New York. There was a Jewish newspaper. I think it went out of business called The Forwards, F-O-R. It was a real socialist left-wing newspaper that I think my socialist grandmother read. And I didn't read it. I, I you know, no, no one read it. Old timers read it. The old uh, trade unionists used to read the forwards. The people would mock them. They'd say, are you reading the forwards backwards? That was a joke. Everyone had a joke in New York. Everyone had a quick phrase. What did they mean? Do you read the forwards backwards? Because the Jewish newspapers, you read the other way. We read left to right. They read right to left. So the joke became, do you read the forwards backwards? It was funny. Has no meaning again. If you grew up in the age of Instagram, you don't know what the hell I'm talking about. So why should I bother explaining our fight for America? If you don't understand it, why should I explain what America was like in the 50s if all you can see is racism? Why should I explain to you the meaning of the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah, if you don't even believe in anything, nothing, zero? So I could stay off politics. I can go on politics. I know most of my audience are not Jewish and they don't care about Jewish issues. 
But I also know the big core of my audience, the P1 audience, are devout Christians. I know I don't hear from them a lot. But I happen to know that the number one P1 audience, am I right, Jim? Is that still true, Robert? Jim, I think it's still true. Big, big listeners to talk radio are still devout, fundamentalist Christians. God bless all of you. So if you would like me to continue drawing together from many, many different sources, religion, tell you about Rosh Hashanah, read from the Christian perspective, entering 5781 in 2021, I can do it. And then I will also throw in why Trump is leading among Hispanics. And that's a, it's a weird one because it came out of the New York Times and they try to twist it. It says his, he's moving up in Hispanics. Hispanics are following a path not so different from earlier European immigrant groups like Italian and Irish Americans. As they assimilated, they became less reliably democratic. They voted for FDR and then they voted for Reagan. And what's happening now is Hispanics are moving towards Trump. And there's a number of reasons for it that you will not get from the propagandists who should be deported on CNN. Savage. I hope you're ready for what's next. Here's what's likely coming. More food shortages, power outages, grocery stores closed, and social unrest. Okay, so ask yourself a question. Do you actually have enough food and supplies on hand to last at least 30 days? The harsh reality is most Americans do not. But you can avoid the panicked masses in a last-minute rush just by ordering your four-week supply of emergency food from MyPatriotSupply.com. It's that simple. You can hire, you can put it in a closet, you know, a cool, dark place. You just go to MyPatriotSupply.com. Starvation and dependency on the government are your only options when you fail to plan ahead. What are you going to do, go on a food line? Why don't you avoid the pain of being unprepared? It's a simple solution. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. Build your emergency food supply with meals that last up to 25 years in storage. And by the way, it's shipped discreetly to your door. No one knows what's in the package, so the delivery man can't steal it. Folks that know what's coming are using today to prepare for tomorrow. And there's still time for you to do the same. They've just gotten new supplies in. That's MyPatriotSupply.com, the original Patriot Preparedness Company. They're great. You can store it for up to 25 years if it's done right. MyPatriotSupply.com. Do it now. I'm going to run out of time. I can't catch my breath. I, I'd like to talk now for 20 straight minutes. I'm exactly a minute, 41 seconds now after the last break. That's what I love about radio. And by the way, it starts applying in your regular life. You don't give a person a chance to finish a sentence. You're yelling at everyone around you because by the time they open their mouth, you already you want to move on. It's, it's taking too much time. You don't have time to listen to anybody because you hear the, the clicking and the banging and the duh, duh, duh. I, I, I can't formulate a thought right now. Your life's about to come to an end, you mook, you bum. But it's going to be a judicious ending. Here's how you're going to end. We're going to put you in a jail cell with Harvey Weinstein. That's how your end is going to come, you pervert, you. Savage. If a medical emergency arises, you prepared. Everyone says, oh, it'll never happen to me. But it can when you least expect it. Take it from me. I know for a fact. It hits you when you least expect it. Now, what if you're traveling? Well, in a medical emergency, Air Med Care Network providers can transport you or a family member to the nearest hospital. And if you're a member, you'll see no out-of-pocket costs related to your flight. You heard me. That's right. You won't pay a dime when transported by an AMCN provider. 
you should know health insurance may not cover the full cost of emergency medical transport. And even with comprehensive coverage, you could still get hit with substantial deductibles and co-pays. Sign up for an Air Medcare Network membership now. AMCN is the largest air ambulance membership network with more than 3 million members, including me. It costs as little as $85 for your entire household and protects you whether you're at home or traveling. Let me ask you, for $85, can you afford not to have this, especially in, the, in this time? Right now, as part of the Savage Nation, you'll get, up to 50, you'll get up to a $50 gift card when you join AMCN. Just go to the special URL, airmedcarenetwork.com slash savage and use code savage. Let me say it again, airmedcarenetwork.com slash savage. Code Savage. Airmedcarenetwork.com slash savage. Enter code Savage. I started the show by telling you that the Godfather town in Sicily is in lockdown after a big wedding party. Why? Because COVID spread. So for those of you who think that everyone in the whole world is doing it to hurt Trump, that's called mass hysteria. And on the other hand, it's also mass hysteria. Then I went into a person I respect said to me when I told her that 2020 was the worst year of my life to date. A black year. I had a black year because I had a black diary book. I couldn't get a blue one, a red one. They were out when I bought it in December. And I was like superstitious to not buy a black diary. Well, okay, boom. It wasn't a good year. It could be worse. I get it. It could always be worse. So the person says to me, we, we didn't ask to be born. It was the most depressing thing anyone ever said to me in my life. None of us asked to be born. I said, that is the most depressing thing that everyone, anyone ever said to me. So I just got this from a rabbi who heard my, me make that statement. He said, Michael, a corollary can be found in the Mishnah. Perkia uh, vote written about 100 AD, chapter 4, Mishnah 10, which says, and let not your impulse assure thee that the grave is a place of refuge for you. Great, nice to hear that one. For against your will were you formed, against your will were you born, against your will you live, against your will you will die, and against your will you will give an account and reckoning before the king of the kings, kings of kings, the holy one, blessed be he. Nice. What a nice thought that is. How... If you're a religious person, how do you even get up in the morning? It's so dark and horrible. Terrible, dark, miserable. No wonder people go the other way and become... Why do you think so many people have abandoned religion and become just complete nutcases for pleasure? They live only for for the orgasm, for the high, because they can't take the, the other side. But there's no beating the game. You can't beat the game no matter what you do. See, no matter how you twist on the hook of life, <laughs> I've thought of this years ago. I came to this in my 40s. I said, no matter how you twist on the hook of life, you're not getting off that hook. And it's only when you stop twisting on the hook of life that you have a chance to even live with a breath, so to speak, a, an occasional breath of air. In my 20s, I came to understand there is no happiness, meaning per- perennial happiness, permanent happiness, to put it that way. I said, there are only moments of, of contentment. I wrote it in my journal when I was 21, 22. Happiness does not exist, if I remember correctly. I said only moments of plateaus of contentment. That's all we get. If we're lucky, we get a few plateaus of contentment. A child is born. 
a child grows up. Those are some of the greatest moments in life as a child is born, a child graduates school. And we know, see, the problem is, is that humans, we have a collective memory. We know the darkness awaits at every turn. You see a child born. So if you have a cosmic mind, you see all the horrible things that could happen to that child between now and, you know what I mean? So, oh, God, no, I had no God. No, no, no. It's like, it's like a Hitchcock movie. So you work out in the gym. You look at your body. Wow, do I look good? Look at my abs. Look at my pecs. Look at my uh, glutes. Look at my schmoots. Look at my hoots. My hooters are good. My shooters are good. My pooters are good. My putter is good. You say, okay, really, get back to me when you're 75. Will you still need me? Will you still need me when I'm 65? Remember that Beatles song? I never, I never really knew what it meant. Will you still need me when I'm 65? You know how old 65 sounded to me then? Like an ancient person with a cane bent over. Now a guy 65 with the gym and the Viagra? Are you kidding me? A gym, the Viagra, the hair implant, the, the hair plugs, the lutes, the glutes, the max. The guy's still marching around. He thinks they're married. Then they all marry someone young. They all think that they're going to live another life. Either the wife left them or they left her. They become madmen. How many women are listening to the show laughing, saying that's my husband, my ex-husband, right? The guy became 65. He started taking Viagra. He got a hair plugs. He took testosterone, and he thought he was a young man again. He met some floozy, 21 years old, and on top of it all, he married her. Wait, and then on top of that, he has a child with her. Uh, get back to me after two years with that marriage when she goes back to Ukraine. <laughs> you know, those Ukrainian women, that's the whole thing about them. At, at 18, your knees go weak. It's like, oh, my God, look what he created. Oh, God, if only. You can't believe it. It's like so beautiful. You don't know what to do. Like tall, Viking blood, perfect legs, green or blue eyes that like could melt ice. Next thing you know, at 30, they look like Stalin's housekeeper. And you don't know how. How did it happen? How did she go being so remarkably beautiful to looking like Stalin's housekeeper with a babushka, no less? And she took your money and ran back to uh, uh, Slobovia or a town in Ukraine. Minsk, Pinsk, Hinsk, Rinsk, all aboard. Minsk, Gavanya. Oh, my God. So I'm in a crazy mood. I'll admit it. I am not in a logical I'm in a paralogical mood right now. It's a strange day. I, I'm not thinking in a straight line. I don't want to talk about Trump. I don't want to talk about my book, I Fight for America. Go buy it already. Leave me alone. Just go in a store. If you don't like it, I'll tell you what. I won't give you your money back. Give it, give it to a liberal. It's a great book. It's probably my best nonfiction book, but I'm not going to read from it. I'm not going to talk about it. We had the ad on the Drudge Report. I've done five Newsmax shows or something. Every other night, another Newsmax show. Sean Spicer, Chris Salcedo, wonderful guys. Great guys. They're doing a great thing on that network. But I don't want to talk about my book anymore. I, I wrote it. If I wrote a book and it took me a year, do you think I want to talk about it now for two months? No. No, I do not. This is the problem with writing books to begin with. I got to tell you, this is a, is a very experienced author and best-selling author. From the time you conceive a book until you write that book, and then edit your book and make sure it's right. And then months till the publisher from he gets it until she puts it out with the cover and the, the pictures. And the, by the t you've done it a thousand. You don't want to. It's like a movie you made. You don't want to watch it again. Do you think Robert De Niro watches The Irishman over and over again? 
And by the way, whatever happened to him? Did you notice? This is an interesting phenomenon. I never mentioned it to you, my, my dear audience. Remember in the beginning of the year how Rindiero would just shut his big trap about Trump? Every name under the sun. He's a mook. He's a bum. He's a mutt. He wouldn't shut up. Remember, he was crazy. And everyone who liked him started, anyone on our side, who liked him, hated him, wouldn't watch anything with him. If I see any movie with him, I click through it. Because he's a great actor, but a miserable, horrible human being. And a fanatical, insane leftist. You know, take an example, the other guy, uh, Al Pacino. I'm sure his liberal politics are, are strong as the Nero's. They're all the same. They're all cut from the same uh, spumoni. So I'm sure he's a leftist, but he never, ever, he's smart enough. De Niro's much smart. I'm sorry. What's his name? Pacino. I can't remember the Enos, the Binos, the Hinos, the Renos. Pacino, De Niro. What is everyone's name in the Naval in Italy? How did that happen? A-E-I-O-U. Every Italian. You too, Jim. I, Jim Verdi. I'm not disparaging Italian people. Everyone's name ends in a vowel. How is that? Like a Jews from Eastern Europe, it's like Schwartz. That's a Z. There's no like a, a thing where you can say like all their names end in a consonant. It, do, it doesn't work that way. Schwartz, Hildeberg, that's a G. A G, a Z. Berg, Schwartz, that's a Z, G. But you can't put them together in a lump. You can lump together the, the vowels. De Niro, Pacino, right? But Pacino's, the point is, I don't want to get distracted. Pacino probably has the same leftist politics, but he's smart enough to know he's a public figure. He's in the movies and he wants you to go to his movie. And so he doesn't espouse anti-Trump politics because he came to understand, unlike dummy De Niro, that a lot of the people who love gangster movies are conservative, right? He didn't, he couldn't figure that out, Schmendrick from the West Village. But he stopped. Here's the point. But what's his name? De Niro stopped bashing Trump just about after uh, the Irishman came out. Did, did you know the, co- the concordance of that one, Jim? And the reason is, is the Irishman is about the worst gangster movie ever made in the history of the world. And it probably bombed on Netflix. And then someone probably sat him down and said, listen, hey, De Niro, you're a big guy. You got the Nobu restaurant shame, which is in the toilet now. Because you wouldn't shut your mouth and you didn't figure out that 50% of the customers or more are conservatives with a bashing Trump. So the Japanese guy probably said, shut your mouth and we'll throw you out on the disparagement clause. Okay, so they, he still wouldn't stop. But now when the, 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 the Irishman comes out, maybe it bombed and he stopped bashing Trump. I don't know, but I haven't heard him bash him lately. Maybe I'm mistaken. Why, say, why are you wasting valuable airtime not talking about Donald Trump? Why are you not saying Trump is the most brilliant man in the history of the world, including Jesus Christ, Moses, Abraham, Isaac, and, uh, and Muhammad? Why are you He's not so saying He's so blatantly that? stupid. <laughs> He's a punk. He's a dog. No. He's a pig. No, do He's a con. No. Artist, a mutt who doesn't know what he's talking about, doesn't do his homework, doesn't care, thinks he's gaming society, doesn't pay his taxes. He's an oh, idiot. Colin Powell said it best. He's a national disaster. He's an embarrassment to this country. It makes me so angry that this country has gotten to this point, that all this right, fool, this bullshit. No, right, but we haven't heard that since the, the, uh, the Irishman bombed. That movie was like 17 hours long. It should have been 40 minutes. You know, the painter, the house painter. You know, even Nancy Pelosi referred to the house painter. I didn't like that. It scared me a little bit. She threw it out at someone. She said, well, we'll get you a house painter. Oh, I didn't like that one at all. Remember that? That was a frightening statement. Woo. Forget about it. I mean, she said, oh, get you a house painter. You know what that's about. 
meaning a house painter. When he shot someone, their blood shot all over the walls, right? So he called himself a house painter. Why would Pelosi say to, to one of the people he didn't like in politics, we'll get you a house painter to come over? Oh, forget, oh, that scared me. Man, I didn't like that one. No, no, got to do a lockdown on that one. Ugh, here we are. Oh, so I got distracted a little bit. Why Trump is leading among Hispanics. Do I have a second now to work in politics, Jim? My mind is very distracted today. It always happens around religious holidays with me. My, my, my soul is extremely spiritual. And what happens is the soul takes over my mind around these heavy holidays. And already, like from a couple of days ago, my mind starts to be moving towards the eternal, moving towards the religious, moving towards the bigger questions. And what happens is you mix together the two and you wind up like when water, you know, water comes in and out, you know, the tide is changing. Do you ever see what happens when a tide is changing? How the water changes form near the shore. One current goes on, the other currents over it, one to the left. That's what I am right now. So if it doesn't sound like a regular broadcaster, I'm not going to apologize. I'm a regular broadcaster. And I'm working it all in together for you in my own John Coltrane way. And if you don't like jazz, then you're listening to the wrong show. If you prefer uh, Montavani music, Guy Lombardo music, and they're pretty good. You got plenty of those. You know, I may be the only man in conservative talk radio who enjoys doing radio. I'm serious. You know, I, I'm going to compare myself to everyone else without mentioning names. They don't enjoy themselves. They're miserable, horrible. They all sound like they need x They're like a living embodiment of the uptight Republican in these x Back in a minute. Savage. Look, if you have a car that's taking up space sitting in a driveway that you don't use, okay, and you're paying insurance on it, let me ask you one question. Why? Why don't you just get rid of it? Donate it to Cars for Kids. Many of you have heard their jingle. It's such an earworm. You'll get a tax deduction and a vacation voucher. Well, here's how it works. Cars for Kids makes the process of donating your car quick and easy. It takes just about two minutes. They handle all the details, all the paperwork. All you need to do is schedule a pickup and sign the title. Pickups are contact-free. Just leave your signed title with your keys in the car to avoid unnecessary contact. The Cars for Kids driver will conveniently pick up your car while maintaining a safe distance. Your car donation is fast and free, usually picked up within 24 hours and often even the same day. And Cars for Kids will take your car even if it's not running. And remember, donating your car is tax deductible. And your tax deduction is based on the sale price of your car. Cars for Kids works hard to sell your car for the best price, which means more funds for their charity and a bigger tax deduction for you. And as a special thank you for donating your car, Cars for Kids gives you a vacation voucher good for a three-day and two-night hotel stay. With Cars for Kids, you get professional service, a convenient pickup, a maximum tax deduction, a vacation voucher, and a very good deed. Donate today at carsforkids.org slash savage nation. I'll say it slowly. That's cars with a K, K-A-R-S, the number four, kids, K-A-R-S, number four, K-I-D-S, dot org slash savage nation. Cars, that's K-A-R-S, the number four, then K-I-D-S dot org slash savage nation. That's cars for kids, carsforkids.org slash savage nation. They will give you the donation experience you deserve. 
carsforkids.org slash savage nation. Do good and do yourself good. carsforkids.org slash savage nation. It is the Savage Nation. Uh, I apologize for not being uh, political enough for the times that we're living in. I realize there is an election coming up uh, very shortly, and I'm supposed to sit up here and bang the drum slowly, but I'm not going to do it right now because I'm into a state of thinking about God and the meaning of life beyond radio. <laughs> and, and speaking of that, I may as well like lay it on the line right now. I'm not sure what I'm going to do in the next year. I'll be very blunt with you. I've hinted. Uh, Let's put it to you this way. The wonderful people who syndicate me have not disclosed whether or not they wish to extend my contract at this time. And I don't know whether I want to work anymore in this field. I may just do podcasts. I'm not sure what I want to do. Because the business is not the business I grew up in. I've been in this business for 26 years. It used to be fun. It was always very difficult, very demanding, very hard. There were always business problems with everybody. But it's reached a point now of diminishing returns. And no matter who's in the business, no matter what they're saying to you, they're lying. Everybody knows that radio is in trouble. Everyone knows that. I'm not saying anything that is not known. Bankruptcies, loss of revenue, money being sucked in by Google for ads. It's not limited to radio. The whole media is in trouble because Google's sucking all the ad money. And also with all of the uh, outlets people have now for listening, you know, they're moving away from straight out broadcast radio. So there comes a time that I have to decide what's best for me. And that's not been decided yet. If you care to comment on this, don't call the show. Don't bother my syndicator. They're great people. But right now, it's not up to them. God will guide my steps. The Westwood One Podcast Network. I want to talk about Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the year. All it means is the head of the year. It's the Jewish New Year. What does that mean to you? Probably nothing. But what it means to the world is that there's been a contiguous civilization for almost 6,000 years. Despite all of the adversity, there are those amongst the Jewish people who have maintained the traditions and kept them alive. Almost 6,000 years of the traditions of the Jewish people. So when you say Judeo-Christianity or Judeo-Christian society, I think you need to study a little bit more about what the word Rosh Hashanah means. It's actually a very happy holiday. It just means the head of the year. And what it means to the religious out there, Christians or Jews, it reaffirms the special relationship between God and mankind. It makes us remember that we are dependent upon God as our sustainer and creator. But it also reminds us that God is dependent upon us because it's we who make his presence known and we who make his presence felt in the world. Without us, God could not exist on this planet. So it's a very big two-way street. Now, what happens on Rosh Hashanah is very important to the believers. This begins what are known as the 10 days of awe. What happens between Rosh Hashanah, which is a happy celebratory holiday, ends on Yom Kippur, the day of atonement, the day of fasting, where people beg God for their forgiveness for all the sins they have committed or might have committed or would commit or whatever. It's a very heavy day 
a very sad day. But during this 10 days, known as the 10 days of awe, Jews believe that all people of the world pass before God like a flock of sheep. And in heaven, in the court of heaven, it's decided who shall live and who shall die, who shall be impoverished and who shall be enriched, who shall fall and who shall rise. So religious Jews might have been seen going to a body of water. That could be a lake, a river, just a body of water. And they go and they throw bread upon the water. Many songs and poems were written about that. And what the religious Jews do is they throw bread into the water where there are fish. Because water symbolizes kindness, and fish have an ever-open eye, which corresponds to the 13 divine attributes that God has commanded us to follow. And so we're supposed to throw bread into water where there, is living, where there are living fish. And then they say a simple prayer. And, and please indulge me for a minute, because I want you to listen to how political this religious prayer is that is said today during the Tashlich prayer. You'll see how political religion has become. The prayer goes like this, Who is a God like you who pardons iniquity and forgives transgression? For the remnant of his heritage, he does not maintain his wrath forever, for he desires to do kindness. He will again show his mercy. He will suppress our iniquities. And you will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Show faithfulness to Jacob, kindness to Abraham, which you have sworn to our fathers from the days of yore. From out of distress I called to God. With a bounding relief, God answered me. The Lord is with me, I do not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is with me among my helpers, and I will see the downfall of my enemies. And it concludes with these two prayers. It is better to rely on the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to rely on the Lord than to trust in nobles. The last phrase is of particular importance to people who are extremely political. Never, ever trust a politician. It was taught to us from biblical times. They are not to be trusted. It is better to rely on the Lord than to trust in nobles. Do you understand that? So that's one of the foundations of this Rosh Hashanah holiday, that you may see religious Jews in your neighborhood not know what they're doing with the black outfits, throwing bread in the water. You think they're nuts, meshuga, what are they doing? Another one of the uh, elements of Rosh Hashanah is the sounding of the ram's horn in temples around the world at sundown. And it has a certain sound. Neil, will you play that one now? This is the sound of the shofar, which is read in temple after the reading of the Torah. Can we hear that, please? What that is is an attempt to awaken the congregants from their slumber, awaken them to the fact that another year has passed and another year is about to begin. But more than that, in my interpretation, it's a very deeply mystical uh, sound, the blowing of the ram, ram's horn. The mystics, the Jewish mystics who study the Kabbalah, believe that angels are formed from the blowing of the ram's horn. And these sounds, the Tekiah and the Shevarim, the Teruah and the Tekiah, all of these sounds... All of these sounds ask the angels to intercede favorably on our behalf to atone for all of our sins. And we're asking God to hear our voice, to help us live in kindness, no matter what has been done to us, no matter what, what has befallen us this day or the day before, whether it be physical or financial or personal or in your love life or you lost a mother or a father or a child. 
You're saying to God, I still love you. I understand that I rejoice in your word like one who finds greatness anywhere. And thank you for giving me the wisdom to understand you, God, because it takes great wisdom to understand God. It's not that easy to understand God. In fact, in an age of cynicism, it's very difficult to show any belief in God. People are very cynical today. But you should understand that many people around the world, Jewish or Christian or other religious people, have called to God in their days of distress, and they can tell you over and over again with absolute certainty that God answered their prayers. I'm not going to go into a schmaltzy story about my life, but it happened. It happened, and it's very important that I tell you that I personally know that God exists precisely because we can't see him he exists. That's what human beings need. And so, therefore, as I say to you, religion is paramount to our society and to our civilization. And so, since the primitives who believe in religion amongst the Jews, beginning with Rosh Hashanah and the Ten Days of Awe, they believe... Even the most cynical actually probably has a semblance of remembering of being a child, during which the father may have said to him, mind your stepson, you're entering God's temple, and over the next ten days, God is going to judge you whether you're written into the book of life. Oh, man, okay, I don't want to, I'm young, I'm eight years old, I don't want to be wiped out. You watch your step, you blow that nose, you brush those teeth, you do your homework, you don't tell any lies, you polish that apple for your teacher, you know, do everything right over these next 10 days because God is watching. So the child, you know, believes in that. You know, then you become a man, you become cynical. Ah, who believes in that? That's for a kid. And yet there's an awful lot of adults who actually believe God is watching them in these days. So they do certain rituals. They blow the shofar. And they say, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who has granted us life, sustained us, enabled us to reach this occasion. Well, what does that mean? What do you mean God has granted us life? What do you mean sustained us? Isn't it welfare and food stamps that sustain us? What do you mean God has enabled us to reach this occasion? Well, to some it is, but to most there actually is a God. And they do ask God to inscribe them in the book of life. But what's a very interesting fact that you don't know is that during the Rosh Hashanah period, when the men are praying and the women are praying, they say in Hebrew, remember us for life, inscribe us in the book of life for your sake, O living God, so you're saying to God, for your sake, inscribe us in the book of life. What does that mean? Why would God want us to be in the book of life? Why does he want us to live, not to die? I say this is one of the most important questions that I, as a spiritual man, could answer on the radio from my perspective. Am I a rabbi? No. Am I a holy man? No. Am I asking for a donation? No. Am I selling you a survival item uh, to cash in on it? No. Am I selling you a savage Bible? No. I'm giving you one man's interpretation of that very meaningful prayer where the religious man says, God, inscribe us in the book of life for your sake. Why do they say for your sake? Why is it for God's sake they would want to inscribe us? Because without man, God could not exist on this planet. Do you understand that? And do you know how that differentiates us from the atheists? As good as they may be, some atheists, and as wonderful they may be, and as great shepherds they may be of the earth, they don't even understand what they're doing in the big picture. In other words, the atheistic nature lover would say, I'm as good as you, if not better, because I protect the environment. What they don't understand is that a plant cannot worship God. The animal who I may love cannot worship God. My dog who I love very much cannot worship God. The eagle cannot worship God. The hawk that I love to look at as he flies over the trees cannot worship God. But I can. And so, in other words, for God to, to exist on this planet, 
we have to be here. So for the sake of God, we ask him to inscribe us in the book of life. And that's my revelation. I'm Michael Savage. I'll be right back. Spans of the spoken word. Welcome. This is a podcast. Greetings, pod recipients. You are entering the Savage Nation. Read the book. See the movie. Warning, the Savage Nation contains adult language, adult content, psychological nudity. Listener discretion is advised. And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. The only path to national unity is through our shared identity as Americans. That is why it is so urgent that we finally restore patriotic education to our schools under our leadership the national endowment for the humanities has awarded a grant to support the development of a pro-american curriculum that celebrates the truth about our nation's great history okay now the adage of my show for since 1994 has been borders language culture i'm glad to hear that trump got the message that he better use some of the messaging I've used all the years before he became president to begin with. And one of them is borders language culture. He just talked about culture. National unity through our shared identity as Americans. That is a thousand percent right, and it goes right into my agenda of borders language and culture. And interestingly enough, Trump is leading among Hispanics. And this is according to the New York Times. They're very worried because they say Biden continues to struggle with Hispanic voters. And it says uh, Trump has a chance to do better among Hispanic voters than he did in 2016, win more than a third of them, even as he does worse with white voters. And then they say it's because as Hispanics become assimilated, they vote for Republicans. Then they say that Trump's strength among Hispanic Americans is a sign that Democrats are misreading the politics of race. No kidding. No kidding. No kidding me. By being racist, they're not appealing to Hispanics. How'd they figure that out? And then they say liberals often draw a line between whites and people of color. Don't you love that? But they say this binary breakdown doesn't reflect reality. No kidding. Because 53% of Latinos identify as white. Did you know that? Others do not, but are conservative. They're conservative Hispanics on taxes, on abortion, on Cuba, on other issues, certainly on family values. They're not going to go along with the gay agenda. I mean, that's the word you're not even allowed to say anymore. But I will tell you right now, most Hispanics are anti-gay, whether you know it or not, and I'm not allowed to even say it. So there's a limit to how much you can push the LGBTQLXMFT thing down the throats of blacks and Hispanics till they, they regurgitate it and say enough already. So, okay, now I gave you the politics. Thank God. Now I don't have to do, do any more work. Now I can relax and get back to what I was doing, which was just playing music for you. Again, let me tell you, my book, A Fight for America, is in the bookstores, and I suggest that you go there and you just look at the chapter heads. And if you don't think it's worth buying, don't buy it. If you think you want to send the message or spread the message through the book, buy it. What else can I say to you? Now, to just go all the way back to the beginning of the last hour, I opened by saying none of us asked to be born. Because a woman I respect said that to me, and I broke into laughter. Because I told her 2020 was the worst year of my life so far. 
and I tied it into buying a black diary in 2019. The only one left was a black cover, and I, I usually get them in green or blue, gray. They only had black left. I said, oh, I don't want it. It's a bad sign, bad omen. So I look back this morning in my diary for last December to see what led up to December 5th, a day that shall live in infamy. And I saw that a family member's dog died on the 3rd. Then I backtracked. More stuff happened in November. Then I was eating badly in November and October. I started violating my own dietary rules. And you're not going to believe me. I've been an avid vitamin taker for 40 years. I'm talking mega, mega, mega doses of the best of the best. I've written books about it, for God's sakes. So when I say I take vitamin E, I take mixed tocopherols, not the garbage you'll buy in a drugstore which doesn't work at all, does more harm than good. Mixed the cofferols, they're very expensive, very hard to find. What happened was, is last October, I ran out of vitamin E from the only brand I buy, which I will not mention, and I started to say, I don't need it, you know, I really don't need it, I'll take fish oils instead, I'll take this, I'll take that, and I gotta remind you something. Two of the genius godfathers of heart disease, preventing it rather, were known as the Shute Brothers, S-H-U-T-E, I believe, in the 1950s, and they wrote a great paper in the early 1950s on how vitamin E is protective against atherosclerosis and why vitamin E prevents plaque from adhering to the arterial walls. And I mean, I read the stuff and I read the data in great detail and they've been proven to be true. They've been debunked by the pharmaceutical industry. They've been debunked by no-nothings. I ran out of it and stopped taking it after 40 years. I did, I was taking it for 20, 30 years. I don't know how long. And so I think what happened was, uh, because I, I went off the E, I started eating very, very bad food, like a lot of cholesterol, heavy saturated fats rather, not cholesterol, saturated fats, stuff I wouldn't do, under terrible stress in my career, very bad stress in my personal life. And so things add up. That's also things happen. You know, your organs take a shot. But, but you get a second chance at life. And, and what I was told by spiritual persons you got a second chance at life now so am i really doing the right thing anymore i don't know i'm still leading the same life in many ways i mean i'm eating better i've lost 30 pounds i don't eat meat anymore i mean i sometimes i walk in like the supermarket and i walk past the red meat and my, my eyes like lock on a shank or i want i look at a not a lamb shank so much you know what i love is i looking at the big gigantic big piece of red meat i don't eat it i just won't eat it anymore because it does very, very hard things to the body. We're designed, yes, to eat some meat if you want it. I don't eat it at all. Then there's the ethical treatment of animals thing, but I still eat a little chicken and a fish. I think the fish wants to die. I watch a fish being pulled out of the water. Its eye looks at you. It doesn't want to die either, which goes back to the religious belief that everything born wants to live and will fight like hell to live, not to die, except liberals. Liberals actually embrace death. You know, we were in county for 40 years. I used to hear liberals say, embrace death. I used to thought they were insane. I knew they were crazy. In my culture, we don't embrace death. We hate death. We curse death. We spit in death's eye. We say, get away from us. Find someone else. All the Maria, oh, yeah, they put their hands together. They make believe they're mock Buddhists. Yes, embrace death. Welcome death. What do you mean? What are you, crazy? What do you mean, embrace death? You can embrace death. Have a nice trip with him. I don't want to. I used to see the Marine County embrace death with the hands together, the same schmucks that would go into a Chinese restaurant and put their hands together when they were given a napkin or a glass of water. The Chinese guy would look at them like they're insane. They're not Buddhists of that type. <clears throat> they're not Hindus with the hands together. They're not Allen Ginsberg. 
you know, in an ashram somewhere, trying to meet a young boy. They go in a Chinese restaurant, these liberals. If the guy gives them a, a napkin, oh, thank you. They bend over with their hands together. The Chinese waiter looks at them like they're totally out of their minds. Gives them a greasy glass with water in it. Oh, thank you. The guy gives them the check. Thank you. You ever hear the liberals in a Chinese, an Asian restaurant, ethnic restaurant? Oh, thank you. They bend over backwards to show how, how racist they're not. Everything thank you? What do you mean thank you? The guy's in business to make a buck. What are you thanking him? He should be thanking you for coming in there. Thank you. This is why the restaurants stink in Marin County, because everyone kisses the behind of the ethnics who work in there. So the ethnics start spinning on them. Bad service, surly. Spill sauce on your gloves. Because you, you can't do that. I'm, and I'm, I'm a former waiter, busboy. No one thanked me for being a busboy or a waiter. If they liked what I did, they gave me a tip. No one thanked me. Oh, thank you for picking up a dish. The mark of a good restaurant is how quickly they take up used plates. That's the mark of a fancy restaurant. I don't know if you know that. Number, never mind the food. Never mind how nice the way, how obsequious the waiter may be. It's how quickly they remove a plate you are finished with. That's the mark of good service. Did you know that? No one told you that. Oh, I wanted to give some advice because the time is going to be up. Then I'm going to be off the air until Monday. God willing, I'll be back. After today, I don't know. <laughs> and at religious holidays, and my mind's already in another space. Oh, God, the 10 days of awe. God's going to judge me. What am I, three years old? The Jewish people believe that during between Rosh Hashanah and the Jewish New Year tonight and Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, God actually judges whether you're going to live or die for the whole year. You hear this? And whether he's going to write you in the book of life. Like a child, I don't believe in Santa Claus. What if he doesn't judge only in these 10 days? What if he's busy on, like, Pluto this time of year? What if God's on a vacation on Venus? He got tired of taking care of the, all of the, you know, the, all of the celestial heavens. Give me a break. I'm not even going to look down on what they're doing. They screwed up the planet I gave them. I gave them a paradise. They started to kill animals. Then they started to kill each other. Then they committed fornication. They ruined their children. They ruined the earth. They ruined the animals. They poisoned the air. I don't want to have anything to do with man. Leave me alone. And he goes on vacation somewhere in another galaxy. And then he comes back after the 10 days of war and he says, what? I missed, I missed Chaim Yankel over there in, in, in Manhattan. He gave a prayer on, the, on Rosh Hashanah. He wants me to write him in the book of life. What's his name again? Morty Rabinowitz? Where? Where does he live? Apartment 2B, East 79th Street? And what do you want me to do? He's talking. Guys, I don't know. I got to write him in because he prayed on Rosh Hashanah. Well, what do he do the rest of the year? Oh, he's a miserable guy. He robbed everyone in business. He was horrible to his wife. His children hate him. He didn't give his mother any money. And he wants me to write him in the book of life because he went and he, he, he prayed on Rosh Hashanah. What, are you kidding me? What, do you think? I'm stupid. I'm God, man. I, I'm not that naive. No, tell Morty I'm not writing him in this year. How am I going to tell him that? You got to tell him. I don't know, Get down to him. Go to apartment 2B and ring his bell. So the apostle goes down to earth, goes to East 79th Street with a mask on because it's COVID, <laughs> it's COVID time. Bing bong, who's there? Who do you tell him? I'm an apostle for God and he's not writing you in the book of life? It's not going to work, so how do you do it? I don't know. There's a good show on Netflix. It's a little bit related. Don't think my mind's just jumping around. And it's called The, um, uh, the Paramedic. It's, it's made in Spain, produced in Spain. I love movies from Spain. I've enjoyed Mexican mafia movies because they're violent and full of life. 
but I got tired of it. So I watched Spanish movies made in Spain. They have a great, great films from Spain. And I like the Castilian Spanish because I grew up speaking it. Seven years I studied Castilian Spanish. And it's frankly not easy to understand Spanish spoken from other countries in many ways. Like many of you don't understand me because I'm from New York, not from America. So no matter how many years I've not been in New York, you still can't understand half the words I say because I talk too fast. So Spanish when spoken in Spain is different than Spanish spoken in Guadalajara. Not knocking it. It's different. So I watch Spanish movies. And I like seeing different, you know, like looks, like the Spanish beautiful women are different than any other country. They're like, they look differently. The beauties are dark-haired, dark-eyed. They're not all blondes from uh, Brentwood. Okay, so this movie's called uh, The um, the Paramedic. I'll make it short. I don't want to promote a movie. I'd rather you read my book, A Fight for America. So it's about a, a guy who's a paramedic in in Spain. Young guy, good-looking guy, and um, he's a real bad guy. He steals stuff from the people in the ambulance, like their sunglasses, their rings, stuff like that. If someone dies, he'll, he'll rip something out off from their money or a watch, and he'll hock it. And he's, like, living with a gorgeous girl. She's, like, 19. She's a student. She's French, but she lives with this guy, and she loves him. They have a very, very passionate relationship. It's, very, it's actually beautifully done to watch this young couple, but they live in a housing project. They're poor. So as the plot is written, his ambulance gets into a crash. It turns over. And the next scene is he's in rehab. He's crippled. Now he's crippled. Now he's crippled. He has no movement of his legs. Now it's him back in the apartment with his beautiful girlfriend, and she's got to take care of him, okay? Meanwhile, she don't want to take care of him. Can you get me a fork? Can you get me a knife? Can you wipe my face? So already you see where this is going to go, right? So he becomes not better but worse. He doesn't become better because of adversity. He becomes worse, which leads me to a political point or two. Now, one of the political points is this, which is that Somerset Maugham, the great English writer, wrote many years ago that in his experience working in the hospitals of England, and I'm talking probably in the 20s, he said in his experience, poverty never ennobled man. He said poverty never made man more noble. In his experience, poverty made people much worse and much meaner. He said the only people he found to be noble are those with money enough uh, to help those who are poor. The only nobility he found was amongst people who are wealthy, who could, you know, give money to those who needed it. He said the poor people were miserable, horrible people, because poverty does terrible things to people, he wrote. Same thing here. You have an accident, you don't become better for it. You become a miserable, horrible human being. No one wants to be around you. And then there's one other piece of advice I want to give you, which has no relationship to this. But it's for women listening to the show who are not yet married, Never marry a man, I was thinking, who will not eat out of a frying pan. Now, I know you say, where the hell did that come from? Because I was thinking that's a lot to do with the guy's earthiness. If the guy will eat out of a frying pan, it means he had a good mother, he loved his mother, and he loved food. If he will not eat out of a frying pan when you just made something, avoid him like the plague. He'll be impotent within three months. Savage. It is the Savage Nation. Look, I apologize in advance. None of us asked to be born. Uh, I asked to be on talk radio when I was down and out many years ago. God gave me talk radio. It's a long story, which I will not tell you now. And I, I, I asked God to give me a living. That's all. Because I got beaten up so badly by some things that were going on in my commercial life. I didn't know which way to turn. And I went out on my deck one night and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And God answered my prayers. But he didn't just give it to me. I had to send tapes to 500 stations, 
Then they came back. They said, you're great. You want to do that? And that's how it started. God helps those who help themselves. So if you're down and out, understand something. Prayer helps, but God helps those who help themselves. You got to help God help you. And I could do this now for an hour. And I could go back and talk to you about the book of life. And I can continue my parody of that guy, Manny, who lives in apartment 2B, and God sends an emissary to say, and the guy throws him out of the apartment, what are you bothering me for? But I can't do it. It doesn't allow it. It's not the right format. What I do requires an hour or two of, you know, like an hour straight of one idea, two ideas, discursive, no breaks. But I don't do that. I don't do live performances. I never will. The last one I did was last October at the University Club. And I'll never do another live performance, so far as I know, again. They're the hardest thing in the world to do right. And most people who do them are drug addicts. I don't use drugs. I do them on the net. So you got to get that energy up and keep it going on your own. You look at great stand-up comedians like Robin Williams. He was a well-known drug user. Everyone knows that. I don't do that. I mean, that's how they keep going. Performers are basically junkies, one way or the other. Whatever junk they're on, they got to do something. But if you're a guy like me and you got to do, you know, a show and you're not on drugs, it's going to come out of places that you don't even understand, have no more energy left, and you're depleting yourself. It's just too much energy. So I don't know what I do, just sit on a boat now. Guys retire. I don't want to retire. I'm not a retiring kind of guy. Golf? Tennis? Are you joking? Travel? No. This is my travel. This is my golf. This is my tennis. This is Michael Savage. Savage. It is the Savage Nation. It's a weird day for me. Very, very odd, odd energy. It's Friday to begin with. The book came out this week. Book week is like hell week. It's over. Uh, it's in the bookstores. Our fight for America. Either my audience will buy it and help elect Trump or they won't buy it and won't help elect Trump. So that's it. I'm going to say no more about it. Then I said today, none of us asked to be born. And I told you about the Jewish New Year, which the year ends tonight, 5780. And tomorrow, or tonight, midnight, is 5781. So when we're coming into 2021 in our calendar, and I told you that from a Christian perspective, by entering the year 5781 and the year 2021 next January, the number 21 pops up for those who are into numerology. And they refer to the Apostle Paul writing of 21 sins. So there's a lot that I introduced in my funny parody of God sending an emissary down to Morty Rabinowitz in apartment 2B who, you know, to write him in the book of life, all of that. It's a lot of stuff I could do. And I know many of you don't like it. It's too discursive, too all over the map. You, you want like more direct politics. Trump good, Biden bad. Democrats evil, Republicans all good. Republicans white hats, uh, Democrats black. <laughs> That's, it's not like that. The world isn't like that. Well, actually it is like that in many ways it is. They are bedbug communists who'll destroy America on the left. They're bedbugs, communists, lunatics. How do you go in a synagogue today and you got liberal Jewish people supporting Black Lives Matter when BLM is anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish, anti-capitalist, anti-American, and they're BLM? They are bedbugs, a lot of people. There's nothing you can do about it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play um, caller games now. I'm going to have you on the air. My loyal assistant, Ryan O'Callaghan, has a timer in his hand. If you get on the air, you get a free copy of uh, Fight for America and 
You have only 45 seconds to make your point. So don't say, hi, Mike, how are you? So 45 seconds, Ryan, are you ready? First caller up, John in Seattle, line six. You're on the Savage Nation. Go ahead, please. Michael, I'm standing in my recording studio. I'm giving your solo with words today a standing ovation. Here's why. You, sir, have the mind of one of the greatest jazz musicians, any jazz musician out there. Here's why. You know your history. You know where you came from. You know where you're going. You have the ability at random to move and sift and weave your thoughts and your ideas with your words just as Charlie Parker and Coltrane and Miles can do it through their horn. I know what I'm talking about because I'm an international jazz musician myself. And, uh, boy, you're just uh, amazing, man. Amazing. Hold it, hold it, hold it. (laughs) Okay. Wait a minute. First of all, how can a guy say thank you and hang up on a caller like that? That's number one. So you're a musician and you understand that I'm a a vocal musician. That's good. Uh, Here's the problem. Talk radio today is not really uh, interested in my kind of performance, John. They're used to something else. And I'm not trying to denigrate, make myself better. I'm different. And talk radio today is into something so different from what you described. They don't even understand what I'm doing. People who run the business, people who advertise in this world, they don't understand jazz, nor do they even like jazz. I, I don't think they even understand or like jazz music. You think they would? If Charlie Parker were alive, he couldn't get a job today. Yes, that's right. Uh, is jazz popular anymore at all? In in some parts of the world, you know, uh, yeah, like well, probably in France, probably somewhere in a district of Paris. In in, in Europe, in, in Italy, right? In Europe, they would they would understand jazz. They don't in America. No, <laughs> when you got people who were not even musicians who are at the top of the charts, and their only claim to fame is they rub their crotch and they have uh, a girlfriend who. Well, let's stop right there. It's a family show. Uh, and they got unlimited publicity from the vermin in the media. You, you don't stand a chance to do actual music. Hey, look, let me send you a copy of Our Fight for America. Thank you. I'd love to talk with you a lot longer, but we've gone almost 90 seconds. Okay, next caller, 45 seconds or less. Ryan, hit the timer when I get the next caller. Um, here is a man or woman named Bright in Wyoming. Mr. and Mrs. Bright, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Right, Mike, you there? I appreciate your struggle. I was a former CPA, and I walked away from everything. Wait, you were a former what? CPA. Okay, okay, certified public accountant. You left everything. You left everything, and what did you do? I was a playwright in college, and and I was offered a full ride, a full ride scholarship to NYU. Turned it down. Because it might corrupt me. And I'm so glad you're struggling with everything you're struggling with. I struggle- no, I'm not. I'm not glad I'm struggling. From- I, I, I prefer not to struggle. No, no. So uh, are you working these days as a CPA? No. Carpenter. Carpenter, like Jesus. Uh, are you happier as a carpenter? Working with wood. Yeah, you like working with your hands. At least you know when you drive a nail, you know whether you drive it straight or crooked. There's no there's no ambiguity in carpentry. Either you cut a board straight or you cut it cockeyed. Either you drive the nail straight or you drive it crooked. Either you hit your finger or you hit the nail. It's very clear when you're working with, with, uh, with tools. Stay in the line, you get a free copy of our Fight for America. You know, when I default at night on TV, I watch car shows. 
I go to the channel where you see the eddies out there. They, I don't know, they bend the iron, pipes fall down, motors come out, parts come out, parts go in. And you know, these guys are the guys who make America work. They make things. They under, either they do it right or wrong. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't go in the engine. If the pipe doesn't fit, then they pull it out. So they know what they're doing. They're not like a Democrat in the sense that no matter what they create and it doesn't fit, they keep making it anyway. They let a bum crap in the streets and you tell them your social policies have failed America, failed the city. More bums crap in the street. They don't change their social policy. A forest fire almost burns the wine country to the ground two years ago. And you tell them it's because you didn't clear the deadwood. They still don't clean the deadwood. Again, a fire and everyone almost chokes to death. Do they change their tune? No. Socialism was tried. People have died. People go broke. People go hungry. Doesn't matter. They're still pushing it. A bum like Bernie Sanders comes along, whatever he's professing has been trying to kill people around the world for a thousand, hundreds of years. Hundreds of years what that mook bum loser, jealous man has put into the minds of the young and it doesn't stop people from trying it again. Again, over and over again. People don't listen. That's all. Hey, do you got any good, uh, do you have Charlie Parker for a minute? I want to hear it. I want to get my mind back into the upper vibe of Charlie Parker which is the greatest, one of the greatest. Of course, there's others that I love too. I love Dizzy Gillespie. If you want to play Gillespie, A Night in, Ten- is it an- a night in Tunisia is a killer. Oh, what a piece that is. Some of it is really good. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night hearing music that I have never written because I don't write music. And so what I write is jokes instead. Very rarely do I write that kind of stuff anymore. And, and some of it's funny. Then you wake up in the morning and it's awful. From the eagle to the beagle. I'm not going to do it. That's, that's Jizzy, isn't that Dizzy Gillespie, A Night in Tunisia? Oh, come on. Now, he couldn't, he couldn't sell this today. The guy comes along today to a recording company, and he comes up with a piece like this, they throw him right out of the door, they don't even let him in. Some moron who grew up on, like, an iPhone. Well, who is this bum? That's what he's playing today? I'm going to listen to that. No one listened to that. Or Charlie Parker. They couldn't get, a, they couldn't make a living today. But that's the story. That's the story in a nutshell. That's what it is. So you are a product in a way of your time. And some of you, you know, grew up in that time. And some of you respect quality. Some of you respect learning. Some of you respect education. Some of you respect logic. Some of you respect a knowledge of history. Some of you respect integrity. But not many people. Those things are gone with the wind. They're out the window. No, that's not, that's not the young, the modern. The modern way is to sound like Mickey Mouse on Laughing Gas. And BS the public. After screwing everybody in your sight as a lawyer, then go on the air and make believe you're a, a devout conservative. That's all. Or, on the other hand, you talk to the morons out there, the, the geeks, and you make believe that you love them, and you sell them a line of goods that you're a conservative. Meanwhile, you line up for the PPM money with your fake university or your fake website. Conservativewebsite.com. They got PPP money. But the next day, they're pre- preaching conservatism. Didn't, they didn't miss a beat. And no one knows the difference. No matter what you say to the audience, they don't know the difference. Say, well, you're just trying to make yourself sound better. Yes, because if I'm not me, who's going to make You're going to make me sound better? Who's going to make me sound better? Either you know the difference or you don't know. Most people don't want to hear it. That's all. They're too busy. And, and secondly, let me go back to, to politics for a minute. You're going to ask, I don't care about any of this garbage. Is Trump going to win? Or is Biden going to win? It's all anyone wants to hear now. It's after Labor Day. So people are tuning in and never heard of me. They don't know who I am. I'm on the radio on these hundreds of stations. And they, they're randomly tuning in. They hear this guy rambling on in a New York voice. They don't know what the hell he's talking about. 
And they say, well, which side is he on? Trump, Biden, what's he for? They don't even know where I'm at. And maybe that's good. Maybe I need you to understand that there's ambiguity in the nation. But you'll find out if you read our fight for America, there's only one choice, which is Donald Trump. That's right. It's that simple. I'll make it real simple for you. Because if you want to try what Biden is professing, see, behind the scenes, there's no, Biden's not real. Biden is not really real. He's a hologram in a basement. So he lets you think that he's nice Joe. He's not nice anything. He's a burnt out hack who's senile, who they, they rigged up. They got him ready for the election. They were that stupid. They could have done better. I don't know where they came, but I don't know why him. I don't know how they came up with him, an old white guy who's deranged and senile. I don't get it. Out of all the candidates, that's the best they could produce? Yes. Did you see the other schmucks they were running during the debates? Everyone, all they got to saying, the world's coming to an end, global warming, we're going to die tomorrow, we have 6.9 years left to live till the polar ice caps melt and your children die from too much icicles melting in their soup. That was the number one. And the number two was all white people are no good. It's white nationalism if you believe in yourself. If you look in the mirror and you're white and you don't hate yourself. Oh, if you're not a white nationalist, I will tell you you're a white nationalist. You're a member of the Ku Klux Klan. You're a white supremacist if you vote for Donald Trump. They tried that. It flopped. So after hating white people, after lying about global warming, after lying about COVID, all of a sudden they get this guy, this loser, Joe Biden. Poor guy. Doesn't know where he is. And all of a sudden, he's going to save the Western world. How can he save the Western world by attacking the Western world? How can he save America after a lifetime of debasing America? How can he save us after, after ruining us as vice president? How can he save us with all the side deals with China that he and his family have done? And the deals with Ukraine, where you thought Trump did it. You don't know if Trump did it, but we're pretty sure the investigation, they found nothing. But you won't even investigate Biden's son. And that's not allowed. According to the people in the media, you can't look into it. It's all it's all bogus. But with Trump, it was all true. Even though the evidence proved it was false, it's still true to them. And even though you won't investigate Biden, it's true anyway, because we've all investigated and we've seen the connections and the amount of money that went into his son's pocket. That's all. Boom. Let's move on. So it's a time for war. It's our fight for America. The war is continuing. And uh, if you don't think that there are problems in America, you're mistaken. The mobs and the mob rule the hatred for white people that's been promulgated by Black Lives Matter and the other Marxist groups affiliated with them, it will come home to roost. It will come home to bite you whether you want to believe it or not. That's all. Where are we now? Oh, my God. Time. Why did time do this to me? Why is it so quick to be over? Listen, my friends, I got to take a quick break, and then I'm going to come back and take some calls and then say, some things about the meaning of tonight to people around the world and to Christians who respect the founding of their own religion through Judaism who may want to know a little bit about the meaning of the Jewish holiday tonight, Rosh Hashanah, right when I return in the Savage Nation. Savage. I like to tell you I can't say anymore because you're going to say it's self-serving and it's, it's a violation of belief to think I'm so great. I'm not that great. I'm good. I'm good at what I do and that's all I am and that's all there is to it. I can't be overly proud of myself. I can't brag over and over again. I can't disregard other people's talents. But I will tell you this. I do something different than anyone else in talk radio has ever done or will ever do. That's all I'm going to say. So today's show is called Why Trump is Up Among Hispanics. 
and the meaning of the Jewish New Year. The year 5780 ends tonight, and 5781 begins at midnight. So, I mean, local, you know, midnight for whatever. And so, we didn't get to the meaning of the Jewish New Year. It's going to be on the podcast. And if you like the discursive nature of my show, and if you like when I get into my mood states, my jazz mind, this is the show for it because I haven't been able to do it in a long time. I feel free is what it comes down to. At the end of the day, book week is over. Uh, I've passed a certain point in the year that's been an uphill struggle on several different levels. And I feel like I'm coasting now. And so my mind was freewheeling what it comes down to. And those are always been the best times for me on radio, going back all these years that I've been on radio, is only when I have felt spiritually or emotionally or mentally free that I'm able to really roll for you on the air, as I hope I have done for you today. And if it was not strictly politics, I don't apologize because you get enough of that anywhere else you go. We're living in such a hyper-political age, it's almost impossible to take it's almost impossible to deal with it anymore. You think I watch TV shows when I get off the air? I never watch Fox News. I don't watch any of them. I never watch it. I don't know how anyone, anyone can watch that stuff. How many times do you see Sean Hannity repeating the Republican talking points and begging for Trump's approval? How many times can you see a man who inside is a little boy who goes into martial arts to break things to prove he's a man? I can't. How many times can you watch the people on Fox News wearing a cross who are sacrilegious? If I see one more person on Fox News, you know, watch out for those who wear their crosses uh, too proudly. The bigger the klafka, the bigger the nafka, as we used to say in the Bronx. Have a good night. The Westwood One Podcast Network.